Welcome to the High Income Business Writing Podcast, helping you propel your writing business to a whole new level. And now, here's your host, Ed Gandia. Well, hello, everyone. Happy day to you, and thanks for joining me for Episode 19 of the High Income Business Writing Podcast. I'm your host, Ed Gandia, and this is the podcast for business writers and copywriters who want to take their writing businesses to the six-figure level or the part-time equivalent. And you can find detailed show notes for this episode by going to b2blauncher.com forward slash episode 19, the number 19. So if you're somewhere over right now where you can't take notes, don't worry, I really got your back here. These are detailed notes that you can reference later at your convenience. So many freelance writers get to a point where they want to scale their business in some way, or they want to diversify their income stream by launching a new side venture or project. And my friend and colleague, Mike Stelzner, is a classic example of this. From 1996 until just a few years ago, he was a freelance writer. And today he's the founder of Social Media Examiner, an online magazine for business owners and marketers who are trying to figure out the whole social media game. In less than four years, Social Media Examiner has attracted, get this, over 220,000 email subscribers and 800,000 website hits a month. I mean, this is really remarkable. Mike's podcast, the Social Media Marketing Podcast, it's a podcast that many of you are familiar with, has, as of this recording, more than 21,000 listeners. And as if that weren't enough, Mike recently launched a new website called MyKidsAdventures.com. It's a site for parents who are looking for fun things to do with their kids, and we're going to come back to this later. And in this interview, Mike and I talk about what it takes to launch a successful side business when you're freelancing full-time and you have limited resources, limited bandwidth. I mean, these are all great questions. I found that for most people, this concept just doesn't really go anywhere or doesn't really pay off. And Mike has had tremendous success doing this. I was very curious how he's been able to build what's become a multi-million dollar a year empire that started from essentially a basic need that he had over 10 years ago. And he's grown it organically to this point. So let's get right to the interview. I think you're really going to enjoy this talk. Hey, Mike. Welcome to the show, man. It's great to have you here. Ed, it's great to talk to you. So, you know, it's been a long time. We haven't chatted in a while, and I'm just really excited about all the things you got cooking, and um, especially because, you know, you, you came from you came from our world, you know, as, as freelancers, right? So totally. I think your your point of view means a lot to me, considering everything that you've created over the last few years. So it, it really is an honor to have you here. Yeah, from 1996 until 2008. Well, actually, 2009, I was, um, you know, yeah, self-employed solo guy. So, yeah, freelancer. Well, t- tell me about that. Tell me about well, – well, first, let, let's, let's do – let's kind of take a step back here and um, tell us – we'll start with now what okay. you're doing today. And then I want to take a step back so people understand where you came from. Sure. Um, I'm the, uh, the founder and CEO of Social Media Examiner. And um, simply said, it's an online magazine for uh, business owners and marketers that want to figure out this crazy world of social media. Mm-hmm. 
marketing and um, we do uh, we have a podcast we do online events we do physical conference uh, you know all that kind of fun stuff also just started a brand new thing called mykidsadventures.com mm-hmm. which is an online magazine for busy parents that um, that uh, are looking for fun stuff to do with their kid but don't have any juice left at the end of the day yeah so those, those are the things that I'm doing now and social media examiner, uh, has 222,000 people on our email subscription list. And every day they get an email in their inbox from us with new original content. We have um, about 21,000 people that listen to the podcast. Uh, we have 800,000 people a month that visit Social Media Examiner. That's amazing. And, and this is something, Social Media Examiner, you launched, what, 2009? Yeah, late 2009. Wow. <laughs> That's amazing. And Coming my, up on four years. <laughs> my Kids Adventures is, and we're going to be talking more about that, but um, when was that launched? Uh, a few weeks ago. Wow. Okay. So that's just a baby. <laughs> yeah. Well, that that's... That's it's a baby that I hope will become a big baby someday. <laughs> I I love it. I I'm I'm hooked. I'm very impressed with what you. Again, man. we'll come back to that because I I really that's want cool. to to for you to share yeah. what the what you what caused you to to launch that. Um, yep. Tell me a little bit about how you got started. I mean, I, I think, and we really haven't had this discussion before. I know you were a freelancer. I know you wrote white papers. But did you how start? I, yeah, how I got started as a freelancer? Yeah. So I got terminated. Um, I was working for a corporation, a $100 million company, and they had, uh, you know, pretty much given me all the accolades and said I was great and was one of their best hires, and I'd been there about a year and a half. And um, um, turned out that the CEO supposedly had a problem with drugs, and I didn't have any clue, and he thought that I saw him doing something he wasn't supposed to be doing, and I got terminated. So um, first thing I did was buy a video game system. <laughs> <laughs> of course, because that's what, what we're supposed to I'm do. like, what am I going to do with my life? Ah. And then I decided to be a gun for hire and go out, and uh, I was working for um, a company that sold um, computer hardware to businesses, and I was uh, in the marketing department. And I was working with a lot of the manufacturers that made the stuff. So I reached out to those manufacturers and I said, hey, you know us because we were one of your big value-added resellers. Um, I'm a gun for hire now. Would you? Do you need any help producing marketing collateral? And a couple of them bit. And I started producing, you know, PowerPoint presentations, brochures, data sheets, um, and white papers. Mm-hmm. And, you know, in the beginning, um, I was doing it for anybody um, it didn't matter, you know, and I began to realize as I went along that tech was really where my sweet spot was. And, and, um, and then eventually the web came out, uh, you know, this realize this is mid nineties, right? This thing called the World Wide web started growing in popularity. And, um, in the late nineties, people wanted websites designed. So I kind of expanded a little bit from where I was to ultimately, um, adding more services. And one of those services was uh, website design. And, you know, as I was growing, I was making new relationships with subcontractors that brought specialty stuff to the table. And we were just servicing the high-tech industry, uh, Ed. And of course, as, you know, business grew, um, Y2K came around and, and the tech industry blew up. So my business kept growing and growing and growing. And then all of a sudden, uh, around 2000, late 2001, 2002, the stock market kind of imploded. And, uh, you know, all the tech companies stopped spending money because they were out of their budgets, you know. Yeah. And, uh, and that's when I was in trouble. And that's when I decided it was time to pivot. 
and uh, stop. To, 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 yeah, to clarify, Mike, so at this point, though, the whole time, it was a one-man show. You were just bringing in designers to do the design piece. It was other always writers. a one-man show. I built it to almost a $500,000 company. Holy cow. Okay. Yeah. And it was just a one-man show, and it was just lots of subcontractors. I told everybody that I was like a general contractor. You know how when you hire someone to build something for you? Yep. You bring in the general, and then they bring in all the subs that do the windows and, and, and the tile work and all that stuff. So that's kind of what I was, a general contractor for marketing-related stuff. And I was the brain that brought the talent in, and I would recruit the talent for the projects now, and oversee them. Of course, you know, then the economy tanks, especially high-tech. So it's, you didn't necessarily have employees to lay off. But still, that was your, that was your business. Right. I mean, absolutely. So what do you do? I mean, how did you come out of that? Well, what ended up happening was I um, I first freaked out. (laughs) (laughs) I had a brand new baby girl and um, I didn't know what I was going to do. I had started writing white papers for some of my clients and I noticed more of them were requesting it. So um, what I decided to do, I reached out to somebody who published an ad in a magazine uh, a marketing magazine. I said, "Hey, does this thing work for you?" And she said, "No, but you know, there's this really cool new thing called Google Ads. You should check it out." I'm all, "What's that all about?" She's all, "Well, you 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 buy keywords, and your stuff shows up in the search results." I'm like, "What? I've never heard of such a thing." <laughs> <laughs> so I decided to write this thing called How to Write a White Paper, a white paper on white papers, and. Um, what I did was I gave away the first couple pages and then I had a little reg form to get the rest and I used Google pay-per-click advertising to advertise it. And um, fast forward, 85,000 people filled out that form over a period of years. Holy cow, okay. And from that form, I was able to start a newsletter, a portal, I met you, and I built an entire, as you know, industry all around white papers. Wow. So... Uh... This wasn't something you, you planned, <laughs> right? Were, were you – what was, was your intention? Here, here was my intention to write it. I thought in my mind, okay, I just need some business. Let's get come up with a way to generate leads. And I put my best knowledge into a 10-page white paper because I had written quite a few by then. And I just figured maybe people are searching for how to write a white paper. So that's exactly what I did was I bought those keywords and um, gave it away. And at the end of the white paper, I said, "How to?" Um, I said, "Are you the right person to write it, and what to look for when hiring a white paper writer?" After I gave away a lot of my tips, and I got a lot of leads, a lot of leads, and it got so big I couldn't handle it all. And eventually, I said, "All right, I want to write a book. How do I write a book? I got to build an audience. How do I build an audience? Uh, the way that I build an audience is I got to deliver content for them." And what had happened, Ed, is I had. At first, I had to learn Google pay-per-click ads, so I went out and I bought an ebook from this guy named Andrew Goodman, um, and I noticed what he was doing. He was publishing these really rich email newsletters every month to his audience, providing tips from just the people that bought his his ebook. Well, I said, why don't I do that for the people that register for my my white paper? So I asked everybody if they wanted to get on my newsletter list, and I was able to grow that to over 20,000 people. And then what I did was I reached out to people like um, the uh, the guy that wrote the ebook on AdWords. After I got to about 4,000 email subscribers, I said, hey, I got 4,000 email subscribers. You want to write for me? I didn't even have my newsletter out yet. He said, well, that's pretty healthy. Yeah, sure, I'll write for you. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> and then I reached out to some of my, my competitors in the space, and I said, look, I'm building this thing. Do you want to be part of it? And one of them was Jonathan Cantor, and the other one was Gordon Graham. Mm-hmm. And another one was a name that I won't mention, and he decided he didn't want to be part of it. 
and nobody knows him anymore. <laughs> uh, interesting. So we kind of collaborated. We were co-opetition, if you will. And what started was a regular newsletter where these guys were, you know, there was more business than I could handle, and I was giving away leads. And then eventually I built a portal called White Paper Source, and we published all that stuff that was in the newsletter on the website. And my, 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 my plan all along, Ed, was to build an audience so that when I came out with my self-published book called Writing White Papers, I wouldn't have to rely on someone else. Yeah. And along the way, I interviewed people and people like you came forward and wrote guest posts for us. And we eventually did teleseminars and, and you know, the rest is history. You were a part of that. Mm -hmm. So really, the intention was was much more modest than this. But this thing blew up into a huge uh, business. And I think it still exists today, right? Whitepapersource.com? It does still exist, but it's pretty much... It's pretty much non-operational. Um, I shut down that business when, after Social Media Examiner totally exploded, and and I realized that that was my next thing, you know, my next calling, if you will. But it was great. I was, you know, I was doing great. I, I had more work than I could ever handle. I was getting paid, um, I don't know, twenty to thirty thousand dollars a month to write white papers, and. Um, you know, and all the extra stuff that I couldn't handle was going off to my friends, and there, I had a referral network, and people like you were, you know, I think you were part of that. Yeah, you know, I was. Competitively bidding for those projects, and, you know, I, I just kind of built an industry out of it. I mean, it wasn't ever the plan. It was just I need business. But then I realized I was onto something hot, and I think I was in the right place at the right time, Ed. You know, white papers were exploding, mm -hmm. and I helped them explode because I was the evangelist, you know, going out, speaking at conferences, that kind of stuff. So what, when did, um, did you begin transitioning away from that and maybe into more of the speaking and, uh, you know, kind of doing some of the other things that weren't necessarily just pure writing for clients? Well, this is the challenge we all face when we're a one man show, which is time versus money, right? Yep. Um, I, I, I never charged by the hour. I always charged like X thousands of dollars to do a project. And it would only take X, you know, three or four a month so I could balance myself. But then corporations like Qualcomm Corporation said, we want to hire you. We're going to pay you $4,500 a month to come in for two years and to train our engineers on how to write white paper. And I used that to put my kids through private school. And I started doing the math on that. It was like, you know, I'm generating forty dollars or $50,000 a year just given the same presentation, the same four-hour presentation once a month. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, wow, that's scalable. <sighs> I can handle that. I'm selling my time, but my time is so valuable there. And it's easy. And I had it down to a root kind of thing. And then um, I began to see the power at somewhere along the line. I wanted to do a conference. And I wanted to get all the guys in the, in the, in the writing world together. Bob Lye was one of them. And Bob said, I don't do physical conferences anymore. So that forced me to be like, oh, my gosh, I'm stuck in a corner. What am I going to do? Why don't I try to do a virtual online conference? So I decided to do something called Copywriting Success Summit, which I don't know if you were part of it or not. I was the second year, and I had forgotten about that. You're right. I, I, I knew there was something where you transitioned. It was totally, completely took the world by storm. Nobody had ever heard of anything like this. We had about uh, 300 people that paid to come here live from all these different people to teaching them how to become copywriters. And then I did it for white papers, and I had a white paper success summit. Mm -hmm. And when I did this, I began to realize the, the, the potential to actually get lots of people together and have them collaborate and then sell 
high volume, low cost stuff, if you will. You know what I mean? Where people paid a couple hundred bucks to hear, you know, over a period of time from lots of people. That opened my eyes because that was the most money that I'd ever made for the amount of work that I was putting into it. And it was like a win-win for everyone. And along the way, social media started propping up and I started asking people to write about it for my newsletter. And my audience started resonating with it because a lot of freelancers and marketers were in my newsletter list and they all were trying to figure out this social media thing. <coughs> so then I decided to go off on a limb with White Paper Source and actually launch something called Social Media Success Summit. And that was a huge hit. 500, 600 tickets sold. Biggest thing I'd ever done. Holy cow, I'm thinking, this is big. And this was in the spring of 2009. And that's when the seed was planted inside my head that this social media thing is about to explode. Now, I realize Twitter has only been around since 2007, so it's about two years old. And uh, Facebook had only been public for maybe a year, I think, because it had been private just for college students. So it was just starting to literally explode. And, um, but it was, it was already kind of big by then, you know. And it was definitely a crowded market. And, and that, you know, that was, how I, that was how I got the sign or the signals that maybe I should experiment with something new and just see whether my, I have eyes to see something that others don't yet and I can get in. Arguably, it was late. By October of 2009, you know, it, it had been a good two years since these social networks were really popular and there was already thousands of bloggers out there talking about social media. And... Um, and I decided to jump in full boat in October of 2009. Well, maybe I remember when you made that announcement, and it seemed to be a little late, but I think we were still in that kind of that early majority. Maybe we had crossed that chasm, right? And it was still early enough, and you moved on it really, really quickly. I, I suspect, and you tell me, had you not moved on it as quickly as you did, you may have missed it. Actually, I don't think so. Here's why. To this date, no one has done what we've done. What we've done. Four years later. Interesting. So what I learned, Ed, it's never too late. <clears throat> and here's why. Because what I realized was all the knowledge that I had. I'll be, I'll be very transparent with you. I thought in my head, man, if I can do this again. You know, people were calling me the king of white papers back then. If I could do this again, if I could be one of the princes. I didn't have aspirations to be a king. <laughs> uh -huh. If I could be one of the little princes of social media coming into a space where I knew nothing, but doing exactly what I did for the white paper world, I got the makings of a really cool book. <laughs> uh -huh. And I could do it over and over and over again, and I could become a serial entrepreneur. That's what I was thinking inside my head. And um, part of me, there was some fear going inside of my head because I'm like, gosh, unlike white papers, there was hardly anybody doing it. This is everyone's talking about it. Yeah, yeah. And... I understand what you're saying, like it was almost too late is what you might have thought. But instead, what I said is that's marketplace justification. If everybody is out there talking about it, it means it's a massive marketplace. That was the first thing I said. The second thing that I said is nobody can do it the Mike Stelzner way. Nobody can do it the Ed Gandhi way. Mm -hmm. Nobody can do it your way. We all have our special, unique things that we do that nobody else can do. And I knew what my special, unique things was. It was building relationships, building alliances, and producing the detailed how-to content. 
I knew how to, I knew because of my white paper background, I knew how to produce content people go nuts over. I knew exactly what people want. I knew how to find out what they wanted and I knew how to give them what they wanted. So I took all the knowledge that I've gained over the years writing hundreds of white papers for huge brands and I took that and dissected it and reformulated it and said, all right, we're not going to do it in a white paper. We're going to do it in a blog post and we're going to do it three times a week. And we're just going to see what happens. We're going to give the goods away. Mm-hmm. So because of my unique background as a writer and my unique background as a business guy and a marketer, I brought something to the world of social media that, that did not exist. And had I waited, I don't still don't think it would have mattered. I may not be as big as I am right now, but I'd still be big. Well, and there's something else you brought to the table that you had had some great success with this uh, online summit right. approach, in that nobody had had really done that way. So now you've had real success doing that. You can bring that here to Social Media Examiner. That's how I justified it. And you know what? It was going to be bankrolled by White Paper Source. So the idea was it was an experiment. And if it fails, no problem. I got a nice white paper business. You know, that's doing great. Yeah. Yeah, so you know, and there, there's a something I'd like to to hear from you about, which is this whole idea of you know you're a writer, but it's obvious to me after listening to you, you're really an entrepreneur. So what do you what would you say to someone who's trying to figure out? You know, all this sounds great, but I don't know if I can do that. You know, I'm a writer. They see themselves as a writer only. If you're a writer, you have all the makings of an entrepreneur. Here's why. To be a good writer, what do you have to do, Ed? Answer the question. What do you have to do to be a good writer? I think to be a good writer, you have to be able to uh, synthesize information, to interview people, to put great content together, to market. Okay, uh, so well, hold on a second. Let's slow down. So you got to do some research, right? Yeah. So a good writer knows how to do research. What does a good entrepreneur need to do? Their research before they start. Uh, you said interviewing people. Well... If a good writer knows how to interview people, well, then a good entrepreneur should do that too, right? You need to talk to people. You need to gather knowledge. You need to gather insight. You need to know what's working. You need to know what's not working. This is where most entrepreneurs get it wrong because they don't know how to do any of that kind of stuff. And a writer is pre-equipped with all that stuff. That's a great point. And a good writer also understands how to find stuff that other people can't find. They know how to they know how to position. They know how to articulate. They know how to communicate. These are all the kind of things that most entrepreneurs fail miserably at. So um, in reality, I think a writer is very well positioned, Ed, to become an entrepreneur. They just need to kind of look at their skills through a different lens. Well, and if you're a copywriter as well, even more, because now you know how to market. And how to persuade. How to persuade, exactly. So that's that's a very good point. So you had those core skills. You were, just, you were able to fully leverage them, unlike most people, just they use them in a very narrow way. And I'm always, always looking. I'm always, always studying. I'm always, always watching. Um, go ahead. Well, so, so that actually leads me to, to the next question because Social Media Examiner has been a huge success. And I was surprised when a few months ago you announced that you're – <laughs> you had uh, thought up a new venture and I thought, Oh my gosh, how's he going to top this? You know? So tell us about the inspiration for this new venture, how it came about and, and you know, why you did it. Well, um, I was at Disneyland and, uh, I've been working so hard on social media examiner and the white paper business that my kids were growing up so quick. It was shocking. And I thought to myself, when was the last time I was here? And I realized it was seven years ago. 
And seven years ago, my youngest daughter wasn't even born. My middle daughter was a newborn, and my oldest was three. And I thought, holy cow, I have been working so hard, Ed, that if I don't do this little idea that I've had in the back of my head, it's going to be for my grandkids. And I also realized that I've been working so hard that my kids are finding fun without their dad. They're finding fun on the couch with their game systems, Netflix, or whatever, and they're in their own little world, and I need to bring them back to my world. Mm-hmm. So I decided um, I don't really know how to do this. I looked around. There was nothing out there. There's tons of um, resources out there for parents with really young kids that have toddlers, and there's lots of stuff out there for people with teens, but there's nothing in the middle. And I I mean nothing, Ed, mm-hmm. nothing. And I thought to myself, why is that? And I thought, oh, I know why. Because once people put their kids in school, it's kind of up to the school and the after-school programs and the sports programs and stuff. And parents kind of, you know, just assume all those kind of things are going to get taken care of by the school. And along the way, a lot of parents kind of disconnect and lose connections with their kids. So I thought to myself, huh, I want to bring this sense of adventure that I had as a kid. You know, when I grew up, Ed... I had a big wilderness behind my house. We were building forts. We were climbing trees. We were making up games. We were doing stuff. There wasn't these electronic things. You know what I mean? I grew up the same way, man, in the 70s. Yeah. We were building tree houses. We were out all day long. We'd forget we to eat. With hula hoops. We were playing, you know, we were playing baseball. We were doing fun stuff. And I want to bring a little bit of that nostalgia back. So I realized that people like me and like you that have children – that are pre that are not teens yet because once they're teens you're pretty much you know it, it's kind of they're they're in their own little world once they're teens so you know 11 12 and under people like us with kids that are in that age um, really do have this uh, inner child inside of us that just wants to do fun stuff with their kids and it's a struggle so I decided when I started my kids adventures to just empower parents by creating these just really cool articles that allow us to do cool things like how to how to have an indoor camping experience, um, you know, with, with tables and blankets and roasting marshmallows over candles, how to build like, uh, 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 you know, just all sorts of stuff like uh, um, indoor, outdoor kind of stuff, like how to do treasure hunts, you know, mm-hmm. and just all these different ideas with treasure hunts. And I just had this crazy idea. I gave a two-minute – I put a two-minute video together. I presented it at a conference. A hundred people came up to me and said, oh, my gosh, this is incredible. So I knew I was on to something. And um, bottom line is I found a hole in the market, and it's, you know, targeting parents with kids that uh, feel this sense of disconnectedness with their kids and really want to be reconnected with their kids but don't know where to go and don't have the ideas. And we're going to provide the ideas. I love it. Totally different it. than social media exams. Yeah, and this is what really in threw every me off. way. <laughs> this is what really threw me off. You know, we we're talking earlier about how when you announced it, I, I I made a guess as to what it would be, and I was completely off. And and I'm wondering, you know, this is this is a great ideal. And you're right. I've looked. I got a ten year old. I got a two year old. I've looked for ideas. I have the challenge of how can I find things that my ten year old will enjoy, and I can still kind of involve the two year old. You know, because I'm alone with them a lot. My wife is a nurse. When she's work, she works 14 hour shifts. So it's, you know, it's just me and them and there's nothing. 
Um, it's a fantastic resource, by the way. I've gotten Thank great you. ideas from it already. I'm wondering what is your motivation? So there's there's a there's a very strong core motivation there, and I definitely feel it. Do you see this as a business, or is this just strictly a resource? What's right now? It's, right now, it's a movement. Okay. Mm-hmm. But being a guy that's a strategist and a and an entrepreneur. Um, everything I do has a, has an ulterior motive. Um, but at the face, I really do want this for my own family. I need to connect with my kids. And I know that there's millions of other people out there that feel the way that I do. And I honestly know that this is going to change families' lives. And these kids are going to remember these kinds of things when they grow up, you know, and it's going to set things in motion that are going to have a huge impact on families. So that alone, um, is really kind of the personal motivation behind all of this. But um, there always is a business motivation behind everything that I do. Um, a white paper source, I ultimately built it because I wanted to have a platform upon which I could publish a book. Social Media Examiner, exactly the same thing. My Kids Adventures, if you want to venture to guess, maybe there's a children's novelist here in the future. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's going to come to fruition. And I'll be honest, if My Kids Adventures takes off and people begin to love all this kind of adventure stuff, then I could see a day coming where maybe I do what I would always love to do, which is to write children's adventure novels. And we'll just see where that goes. That's very cool. Well, I I do see a difference here from your other businesses. And, you know, I've been reading and studying um, the book Start With Why. I'm I'm sure you're familiar with it uh, from Simon Sinek. And what I see here is you have a very powerful, very strong and sincere, authentic why here. Not that you don't for your other businesses, but I think you have a very strong core. It's personal too for a lot of people. It is personal, and and I think that has the makings of something very very successful uh, in 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 all different ways. Not just uh, not just in terms of helping people, but I think it has real good promise as a business. Thank you. So I'm I'm curious because you've been on both sides. And, and by the way, the, you have staff now, right? You have staff at social media. I do. I have six full time employees. Um, three of them are in our HQ office here, little office here, and then the rest are scattered across the country. And then I have about 24 contractors. Wow, wow. So t- tell me about what you enjoy most about growing and in, in, in running these businesses, and, and then at the same time, what do you like least? What don't you really enjoy about it? Well. Um, deep down, and you know this about me, Ed, I love helping people. And, um, what's great about what I've been able to do is it's been such a win, win, win for everyone. Um, even back in the white paper days, you know, uh, I didn't really, I I mean, I I was set so that I, I knew just a tiny little fragment of business I needed to be successful. But, you know, a lot of my friends in the industry, like you, you know, got work as a result of what I was doing. The people that wanted to learn how to do it got work. Same thing with Social Media Examiner. So I get great personal satisfaction out of seeing um, it change people, you know, for the better or help people. And there's a great business correlation there too, you know, because when you help people uh, do something that they don't know how to do, um, they're going to love you and they're going to let their friends know about you. And with that, you can frankly do just about anything. Now, um, I'm trying to circle back to what your original question was, uh, something about the employees. Well, <laughs> no, well, what do you like? Because this is a, a different model. 
Yeah. Uh, what do you like best about growing, launching, growing, and running a business of this magnitude versus a one-man show? There's a certain um, excitement level that comes to having a team of great people around you that you know are going to be there for you no matter what. Um, every freelancer will get to a certain point in his or her life where they will reach a glass ceiling because they are not scalable. And I've got I, the world needs lots of freelancers, and and um, there are some people that have the bug to want to do bigger things, and the only way to do bigger things is to try to break through that ceiling, and the only way to break through that ceiling means you got to hire people, and uh, in the beginning it could be contractors, but eventually it needs to be employees if you're going to build something big because you need someone who's going to stick with you. You know what I mean? Yeah. And not be pulled in in in, in three different directions because they have three different clients. So um, I, I love having a team, and it's been a slow, methodical process. It started with uh, an assistant who became my first employee after many years. You know, we got to the point where I had so much work for her that it, it just made sense, you know. And then, and then eventually, slowly, methodically, almost everybody started as a contractor and then became full-time employees, which is kind of a nice, smooth road down that path. But I, I love it because it does offer some freedom and everybody who's a freelancer does aspire to have freedom and um the dirty trap of freelancing is that you can get sucked into the work and never have freedom and and when you ultimately do transition if you ever do to having a business with employees it does you can get to the point where you're not having to work your butt off all the time and that's one of the great successes. Um, you know, I, I'm still heavily involved in the editorial and the art direction of everything that we do. But I can take a vacation and be in Mexico for a week completely disconnected without any concern. And that's a, that's a cool freedom. Your business still runs. Yep. It still runs. The downside, though, Ed, is that I am the best at what I do in my business. And you have to relinquish a little bit of control and accept that not everyone can do it your way. Mm -hmm. And that gets tricky. <laughs> that is, yeah, especially when you've come from the world of, you know, a solo business. Exactly. So that's the downside. You have to kind of learn to accept that people are going to make mistakes, that things aren't going to be perfect, that everybody has different skills, and uh, you're going to have to work really hard to train them. And you, you are going to have to transition from being the doer to being the manager. And for some people, they can't handle that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I have to manage my executive team, and I have to keep learning how to do that because that's a new skill within its own right. Managing clients is totally different than managing a team that's trying to grow your business. And uh, you have to be a leader, and you have to learn a lot of new things, and that's scary yet exciting. Um, and you make a lot of mistakes. Sometimes you lose people. And, uh, you know, it's a riskier proposition for sure because when you're a freelancer, um, basically – you know that your employee is never going to let you down because it's you. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yes. But, yeah, I get approached by a lot of people, and I'm sure you do this as well, uh, a lot of freelancers who they know they want to go down this path, You know, maybe not scale it to the point that you have, but they know they want to start a side business to kind of add some diversity to their income and what they do. But they're not sure where to go. They're not sure how to approach this process. What would you tell somebody like that? Um. First and foremost, start it out as an experiment. Right now, My Kids Adventures is an experiment, and Social Media Examiner was an experiment. If you approach it as an experiment, then you have to be willing to let it fail. Does that make sense? Yes. 
So um, the easiest way to do an experiment is just to allocate a little bit of your time and maybe to hire a contractor to help you get started and try it out and, and say to yourself, all right, if, if this happens, then I'm willing to try this. If this doesn't happen, then I'm willing to back off or I'm willing to try again. If you treat it like an experiment, like I'm doing with my kids' adventures right now, then the real question is, does it stick? And it's not very risky that way um, because it's not like you pour your entire life into it. And, Ed, it's not all that different than what you preach when you're talking to people that are full-time, right, and they want to get to the, to not be full-time, right? Exactly, exactly. Well, same yeah, when they were trying to go from, from employee to, to self-employed, exactly. Exactly, it's the same kind of thing. So um, you just have to find somebody who can help you in the areas where you have weaknesses, and that's going to be critical. Um, but I don't recommend anybody start a business that's totally outside of their comfort zone. Both Social Media Examiner and My Kids Adventures are totally within our comfort zone because we are a publisher of content, and I know content. Does that make sense? Yes. So um, I just have to find people that know how to do kids' activities. That's the difference mm-hmm. with My Kids Adventures. And and I was able to find those people through my network, and I was able to do the same thing with Social Media Examiner. So the idea is to try to leverage people within your network and not to go so far outside your comfort zone that you can't do most of it yourself. But hopefully these other people can bring their little expertise to it. So if it's a topical shift, what's the topical expertise you need? If it's if it's not a topical shift, maybe it's a competency shift. Maybe you don't know enough about the tech. Well, who do you know that does, that can help you? Mm-hmm. And that's that's how you begin the process. I think it's great advice. I think it's great advice. I'm wondering, you've gone through these businesses you've been around for you know 20 years doing you know some sort of either freelancing or entrepreneurship knowing what you know now what would you have done differently nothing i love it (laughs) not a thing you want to know why ed um every mistake that i've ever made has gotten me here everything that i've screwed up has taught me a lesson there's nothing that i've regretted um, and I look at everything that goes wrong. Let me give you an example. I invested $100,000 into building my own social network on Social Media Examiner called the Networking Clubs, and I shut it down two months ago, and we moved to LinkedIn. It was a failure. It didn't work. But you know what? I learned a heck of a lot about have, how to build a community, how to get advocates, and all that stuff is going to come into play if my kids' adventures grows. All the development costs, all the knowledge that I have is not for naught because if my kids' adventures takes off, we'll take all that knowledge and port it over there. So all these things that I failed are just like lessons that I need to learn, and it helps me grow. And I've learned way more from my failures. So I honestly would not change a thing. I wouldn't have started at a different time. Um, I wouldn't do anything. Um, Probably... You know, and I've always been one of those kind of guys that had had very little fear when it comes to trying something new. <laughs> you know, I'm just I've been the man in, with the machete in the woods carving new paths. That's just kind of I've been born that way. Mm-hmm. So I don't really I don't really regret anything that I've done as far as um, and I don't think I honestly would do anything differently. Have I done things differently? For sure. I've learned a lot along the way, Ed. 
Uh, My Kids Adventures, I launched that totally different than I did Social Media Examiner, just because when the when the facts change, when the times change, when when the ways that you do things change, well, then you grow. And and Ed, when you start your next venture, you're going to start it differently than you did your last one because you're learning. Absolutely, how it works. Absolutely, you, with mistakes are only uh, a way to get more scar tissue, and that's how you really how you learn. And I don't want anybody to think I've done it perfectly. I haven't, but I just wouldn't change a thing. Yeah, well, yeah. because it's the way you see mistakes. Yeah, and, and and you know what? Honestly, someone listening right now, if you're not making mistakes, something's wrong with you. <laughs> Couldn't. I'm agree not more. kidding. If you're not making mistakes, then you're not learning. It means you don't see them. And and I like making mistakes because. Uh, it always forces me to like take it to the next level, and uh, complacency really is what makes things dry out. And uh, what's really fun with the launching of my kids' adventures is I've learned so much that I'm going to go back and reapply to Social Media Examiner, and it's pretty exciting. This is very cool. I'm going to be following your progress all the way, my friend. And you know, we talked about. Um, I'll obviously include the links to to your websites in the show notes. Uh, but I want you to tell us a little bit about your podcast because people listening here are podcast listeners. So, yeah. tell, where where can people uh, grab it? Uh, it's it's uh, it's called Social Media Marketing. You can find it on iTunes or Stitcher Radio or anywhere, uh, or you can visit socialmediaexaminer.com/podcast. And it's a weekly show where I interview um, marketing experts about social media marketing, and uh, it's about a forty-minute show been doing it for a year we have about uh 21,000 people that listen every week and and it's a blast and and um it's just great i get on i get the incredible opportunity to talk to some of the leading experts in the world of social media and it's really for uh small business owners um uh and marketers so if you're listening to ed's podcast and you got an extra 40 minutes throw me into the loop (laughs) i love it and i've told you this before my man you your podcast is what sold me I'm doing a podcast of my own. So thank you. (laughs) Thank you, Ed. Keep up the great work. (laughs) All right, Mike. Well, listen, man, it was great to have you. Really an honor. Thanks for sharing uh, your story with us and and all these insights. Uh, We need to do this again. Yeah. Hey, thanks for letting me share it. It It was really a great pleasure. I appreciate you a lot, Ed. Oh, boy. I hope you guys enjoyed that interview as much as I did. Mike's always a lot of fun to talk to. Fun to be extremely inspirational. It, um, you know, he, he came from our world, folks, and it just goes to show what can happen um, if you think big, if you open your mind to the possibilities, and if you pay attention. I think that's a key lesson I've learned from Mike, you know, pay attention to the opportunities around you and try to figure out, you know, how can I meet that need? How can I help others? How can I serve others in this situation who might be facing this particular challenge? Um, you know, what, what, what are my skills? What do I have to share? How can I serve others with, with these skills? I think those are some of the uh, gifts that Mike has that, uh, that's enabled him to, um, to see opportunities when they're in front of him. And, you know, I, I want to make sure you guys understand that you don't have to go as big as Mike did. You know, I think a lot of people dismiss uh, success stories like this because they think, well, that would never happen to me. You know, that's not what I want. Um, the point is not, hey, you need to build a multi-million dollar venture. The point is, you know, what can you take away from this? What can you take away from Mike's story um, to help you start thinking along the lines of expanding, scaling your business, creating a new side venture, 
um, you know, it doesn't have to be anything huge. Uh, I know that, um, you know, in my case, I'm, I'm not sure if I really want to create something as big as what Mike's created. It's not that I'm afraid of the size. It's just, you know, it has to feel right for me. And maybe my version of that is completely different and is much smaller. It could be bigger. It could be the same size. I don't know yet. The point is be on the lookout for opportunity. Take action when you see them. And be open to the fact that, hey, things are going to manifest the way that you may have originally pictured. I think that was another key lesson of Mike's story. Um, he did some things because he had a plan, but then halfway through, he realized that this particular path wasn't working exactly the way he thought it would work. Uh, but there was something else to that that he can turn it into an opportunity. And um, I think that's um, that's rare these days. Most of us kind of stay focused. We have tunnel vision and we only see one possible outcome where Mike saw many different possibilities. So anyway, you can grab the detailed show notes for this episode at b2blauncher.com forward slash episode 19, the number 19. A couple of quick announcements before we wrap up. I wanted to remind you that tomorrow I'm doing my popular free masterclass titled how to launch a profitable b2b writing business in 10 weeks or less it's at noon eastern time it's free it's live and it will not be recorded we still have a few spots left and listen i guarantee you one thing you will not be disappointed this is by far the most popular free content that I deliver every year. I only do it a few times a year. And again, it's free and you can register by going to b2blauncher.com forward slash training. If you're uh, an aspiring freelance commercial writer or you just recently started and you're not really getting the traction that you thought you'd have by now, uh, this is for you. This is not really for those of you who have been at it for a while and are doing well. I think you'll still pick up some great nuggets. But um, it, this is really designed for those who are just getting started or thinking about getting started. Also, regarding this show, if you enjoyed the episode, if you're enjoying the show, I'd be grateful if you shared it with friends. And the easiest way to do that is just to go to the show notes page, click on any of the social media sharing buttons, and that will allow you to get this out very easily. You can also go to b2blauncher.com forward slash love. That pre-populates a tweet, makes it very easy for you. Also, it would mean a lot to me if you would give, give the show a quick rating or review on iTunes. If you are enjoying it, the easiest way to do that is to go to b2blauncher.com forward slash iTunes and the system will take it from there. So that brings us to the end of the episode. I am your host, Ed Gambia. Thanks so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed this and I hope you have an awesome day. The High Income Business Writing Podcast is a production of B2B Business Launcher. Learn more at b2blauncher.com.